everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this wonderful BAFTA Q&A uh, with, well, you can see who's here. We've got Tony Wade, we've got Joe Hartley and Mr. Ricky Gervais. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. Great to have you. Um, first of all, congratulations, guys, on the second series of Afterlife. It's brilliant. So Thank good. You. Thank You're you. going to be happy with the response that it's had so far. I mean, literally, as it kind of was unveiled, it was instant, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I've never had a response like it on the first season but of course because it's always there that sort of grew so it was going up through the whole year so i guess what's happened is all those people that watched the first series and loved it watched this series straight away so it's absolutely mental i mean like uh, tens of thousands of tweets that i'm trying to you know like them to know that i've read them or and i i i try and uh, you know retweet the the odd one but uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. It, it, it's it's phenomenal. And, and yeah, lovely. Really lovely, because people still don't need to bother. It's only a tweet, but they don't need to. I don't. I do it rarely. I've decided I'm going to start doing it. I just started randomly saying nice things about people yesterday, because I just thought, I'm getting all this praise. So I just said, like, you know what I mean? I, started, I, I like Richard Osmond on Pointless. I think it's brilliant. So I just started saying that. Oh man, uh, Tony and Joe get to you in just one second, but Ricky, did you write series two? Had series one already um, been released and had you had a reaction to it before you started writing the second series or at what point yeah, did you write I, it? Yeah, I, I had some ideas for season two as it came out, but then you do, and mostly you, you, try, and, you try and do it your own way and you don't second guess people because you'll get it wrong. Um, the one thing I did incorporate um, is that I realised that it was the emotional reaction that was the most incredible and that people would come up to me and say, oh, I lost my brother three weeks before or and it helped me or I lost my wife a year ago. And I realised that everyone was grieving and they, they loved seeing that done in a, in a comedy, a dark comedy, or, but they liked seeing that and recognised it. And I felt a responsibility to treat it correctly. So I didn't have him just get better and snap out of it. Mm. I, 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 I really incorporated the fact that it takes a long time and he is breathing and he's going through depression and anxiety and all those things, right? That, 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 that sliding scale of mental illness. And he's going through it all. So I, I thought I would explore that more and not just have him go, anyway, I feel better now. I've got a nurse. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That I, it, it's like, what? I, I, um, my, my mate, um, Christopher Guest, you, you know, um, uh, he told me once, um, the director of uh, Rain Man told him, you know, they, they do those audience things when they, they say, what would you change about this? What did you like? What yeah. didn't you like? And uh, he's got this one framed and it's someone saying, I really enjoyed the film, but I was hoping the little guy would snap out of it by the end. So... <laughs> So that's so. Some people they want a happy ending, but it's yeah. but it's not you know it's not always there. Uh, Tony, it's 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 wonderful to watch this. Um, you know all these characters, and uh, and as I was speaking to Ricky about this actually last week, was that what's brilliant about the way that it's written is that all these characters we get to know a bit better and a bit more in this series as well and and Lenny's one of these characters that you know whenever you're on screen and particularly you know when it's when it's outside of the relationship that he has with Tony and stuff we get to know more about him and when it's 
given to you in terms of a script and you see a script for the first time, how much of it do you think is a reaction to kind of how you've brought that character to life and how you collaborate on set with, you know, where the character's been already to where he's going? Well, I think um, we did workshop it, although it wasn't really a workshop. We sort of would have coffees and, and a lunch and a chat um, a few times throughout the year when, in the, when Ricky was writing the first series. And I think it, we weren't really sort of coming up with stuff or writing stuff, but Ricky was definitely watching us do his stuff and mm. sort of then thinking, oh, that's good. That bit was funny. That wasn't. And sort of a working, sort of writing the script on its feet, really. But this series, I think definitely Ricky had noticed that me and um, that Lenny and June were a thing. And he, from the, the, the first day that Joe came in, there was clearly had to be more of her and more of <laughs> coming in. And that's sort of then, the, what, what do you do? That he and, uh, he and Lenny get together. And I think that definitely, Ricky, I'm sure will correct me, but I think that definitely came from the day that Joe came in and was so brilliant. Oh, and oh absolutely. And also, every, everything counts. I do, I do work with people I like working with. You know, it's not like, it's not, if, if someone was an absolute arsehole and they were a popular character, they'd be written out. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, of course you go, I want to work with, I want more of them. And uh, uh, you can get the best of both worlds. You can work with really nice people who are brilliant actors and come up with stuff. And, and th that's why I work with the, the same people all the time because there's not many, you know, and I've, and um, I, uh, uh, it's an absolute joy to work with these people. And I, I do want to mean everything I do and as much uh, as um, the plot can, you know, take. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I put in physicalities of people and that's the beauty of knowing who you're writing for. Mm. I cast this before I'd written it because I knew oh, who wow. I wanted. Yeah, uh, before I'd written anything. The first idea was the wife, I, I called Kerry. I said, do you want to be my dead wife? At first she said, she thought, Am I playing a corpse? I went, no, 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 I'll explain. And then, you know, you, you, you go through, yeah. I remember uh, the Joel... first day after um, you called me in for the very first meeting, first tentative meeting after you said there might be a part for me. So I was sort of half treating it as a casting and I, I remember entering your office and there's four flights of stairs. And I got to the bottom of the, I thought there were only going to be two. And I went, oh God. And I heard you laughing and going, perfect, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, I did again. I did. Yeah, I thought that's funny. He's gonna be a slob. He's gonna be out of breath. But what I liked about uh, the Lenny character, he's one of those people that's impermeable. You can insult him. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You got snacks by the bed. Yep. He's, he's he's happy with his life. He's happy with everything he's got. I'm jealous of people like Lenny, because that you can't you can't hurt their feet. They're great. They're brilliant. And then, and then, uh, obviously, Joe's character is very similar. She's just so kind, oh. a, bit, a bit dim, but they're just so. <laughs> wonderful. That line you said, "My two little fatties," <laughs> I, that was great. <laughs> Joe, what's it? What's it? What is it like on on set? And what's it like to then kind of you know to kind of pop up as a character, and then that character being being given a whole kind of storyline, and and to be kind of part of that. That narrative as well and 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 also collaborate on set as well 
I mean, it's amazing on set. It's like there's an energy. So you kind of, there's lots of love on that set, lots of laughter. Nobody's taking themselves too seriously, but the job is serious. Like we want to find it. It's beautiful. I mean, I was coming home on Friday night and I'd had a bit of a bad day and I got text, a little message off Ricky saying, have you got the, this was after live porn, have you got the scripts? And I was like, what, no. And I was going to tell you, I, I said, no. And he was like, oh, I, I've written this little cameo for you. Do you want to be in the show? And I was, I was going to text back and say, really busy at the moment, mate. Can't fit you in. And I thought, no, he might not get it. He might just, <laughs> he might be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I just texted back and was like, yeah. And then I remember going in for a couple of days, I was in a couple of episodes and I just had the best fun in that scene where we're talking about cream eggs and little fat, oh, you want to see him naked in the bath and all that. And it was just so much fun. And I got to do a little bit of improv with, with Ricky and, and, you know, Tony and that. And then I got a lovely text on the way home saying, great, well done. And it just lit me up, you know, I was, I was buzzing. So when... Uh, Ricky said, we're doing it again. I think Tony and I was at the screening. They said, I've got an idea for you two. And um, it mm. just kind of went from there. And then I was invited in to do sort of, you know, rehearsals. And But it's very collaborative and Ricky's very generous. I mean, we all kind of, I, I remember him emailing me the, the monologue that I do to the receptionist and I spat my tea out because he must have just watched us all day. We were talking about all sorts of things. So I, I remember going and thinking, well, there's not much in this episode for me. And I, and I thought, Ricky just feels sorry for me. It's just, it's just getting me because he feels sorry about me. It's then... I, I trust you. No, I, honestly, you're one, you're one of the best improvisers. You are one of the best improvisers. I discovered you from uh, your, for the improv movie, This is England. And I just thought, when I discovered that was just all improv, I just thought, right, I'll, I'm having that. That's, that's oh, it, you that's know. Nice. Yeah. No, it was brilliant. And I think that's what um, we all find really fun. It's like, it's very organic. But Ricky then will, he don't really miss a trick, do you? It's like, he'll go away and write things. And I think my friend who I was on the phone to today in New York, she said something to me, Maria. She said, there's, a, there's something that you say. And she said, wow, it was like, you, you, I thought you might have improvised it. I said, no, Ricky wrote that. She said, well, he, he must really know you quite well. I think, he, I can't remember the line now. But it was like, you, it's great to work with people who care, who listen, who really value you. And also, then you don't have to be in every single scene trying to do everything, which I've never really had to do. But just to be a part of something so magical. I feel like I've actually fallen in love with the show. And it's really, really powerful. You know, it's, um, it's a funny time of my life where I feel so grateful to be alive. And this is, this is amazing for me. So I'm just grateful to be there. It's lovely. Yeah. I love them all. I'm going to cry. Joe's going to cry again. That's exactly what I was going to say. She's going to cry again. Double glasses on. Double glasses. Oh Bless you. But it's that thing as well, Ricky, because you, you know, you write it, you direct it, and you know, and 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 you play Tony. But but you write all these brilliant characters and stories for these characters, and it must be really hard to almost hold back because, as you say, you've got this incredible collection of people who bring these characters to life. So it must be almost kind of hard knowing not to just give them more in a way. Do you know what well, I mean? Well, uh, the thing is, um, these episodes, uh, they come in at 45 minutes. And I don't even have to cut them because it's Netflix, but it'd be flabby. So I used to get depressed when I used to have to cut 15 minutes out of an episode. Mm. And now I realise that just makes, it's brilliant. That's so good. The bit that's left is amazing. So, um, 
yeah, I, I, we, we always, you write too much, you film too much, and then you just keep honing it down to it. And you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed what you can get rid of and not lose anything as well. Mm. And often the things that are on the cutting room floor are the funniest things on the day. The crew are laughing, everyone's laughing, you can't get through it, they're the funny. But sometimes they don't drive the plot. And sometimes it's because the crew haven't heard it before because it's improv. And in the cold light of day, the things that were of, uh, mostly 90%, I'd say, are the written screenplay bits that were filmed, done properly, every angle's cut, that drive the plot. And then, then you get someone like David Earl, who just says, just goes for it, and you just pick a nugget. You go, we'll have that, that's the bit. <laughs> and then everyone looks at it, you know. David Earl, he's, he's gonna oh. make up, I'd say, 50% of the outtakes. You know, <laughs> but the bits that are left are just, and you can have too much. It's like, you couldn't watch Seinfeld if it was half an hour of Kramer. You just go, okay, that's enough, uh, too much. So, the, it, you, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? You, he, yeah. you need all these ordinary people that are doing ordinary things and saying sensible things. You know, it's a, uh, it, you, you, you do need all those people around to make David Earl look crazy and funny. But you do need Matt, uh, the Matt in it, and you do need Sandy, and you do need, you need all those people. Um, uh, uh, otherwise, it's, there's no reason to watch it. It's like watching a hundred puns. You can be laughing, but you're looking at your watch after 20, where as <laughs> if a comedian comes out and tells you what a bad day they've had, you're riveted. You go, it's a story. That's the important mm. thing. It's a story. And I think as well, it's that the, and the connection, the response you're getting is because you're writing stories about real people and real situations. And that's why people are connecting so much with it. And you're getting the response, you know, from people sending you messages about their own loss and their own, you know, way they're dealing with grief. And, and I think that's, and that doesn't just relate to Tony's story. I think that's what's brilliant about this series and all the different characters. There's even more to relate to. Well, that's why I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated with um, realism. I've always, I think it resonates more. Um, and also I think what people recognize, they don't even know it. If you can get how people feel about summer, you've won, because they don't know how you've done it. You know, people can go, oh, I like the postman, because I'm a postman, or I work in an office, or I was an actor, but it doesn't resonate. Whereas if you do, Oh my God, that was me. That's how I acted when so-and-so. <gasps> I think like that every day. Oh my God, that's, that's even bigger. So you, what you're trying to do with this, my own, is to download emotions, make them feel something. Even if they don't, if they're not just laughing at a one-liner or scared at something, or you don't need car crashes. Sometimes people are watching it like that. They're just thinking about stuff. Mm. And that's, that's enough. Then, and then at the end they go, Oh, that was amazing. You know, it, it, yeah. it's, it, 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 it doesn't need these uh, bombastic, you, you know, you don't need to tell people how to feel. They just do. They just yeah. do. Yeah. Um, Joe and Tony in particular, I mean, there's, there's a brilliant, I mean, the, the, the bedroom scene is, is just oh. hilarious. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I don't really know what to ask about it, but it's just, it's, yeah. Well, it was, was... well, the funny thing was about that is, it didn't really drive the plot, 
we'd, st we'd done, you know, <laughs> it was to show how awkward it was. It was to show yeah. how awkward, how mad this family is that Tony got himself into. He'd given his flat away to Matt. He'd got his, what he calls his fat stepson a job. And it was thinking, what have I done? And so it was that. And it could have gone, but it was just so funny and oh. angsty that I just thought I'd just put it, I'd just throw it, I'd just throw it in. I'd just throw it in at the end before the sad scene. Um, and uh, uh, honestly, it was just when the light goes on, just the light goes on, his <laughs> face going, have you seen my juggling paws? Yeah. The, the thing there as well is I was like, before that scene, I was like, right, just don't, don't, don't try to be funny, just do it real and keep normal. And it was like, it's when she sort of reacts as if he's just like chatting to her about what's in the news. You know, it's just Absolutely. like, yeah, yeah, well, they're just downstairs. Anyway, busy at the minute, but I've seen a bit, darling. It's like very kind of like normal for them, the mad yeah. triangle of love. <laughs> and that's why it's funny because actually, the only normal person in it is Lenny. He's <laughs> reacting right. He's going, he's the audience going, this is mental. <laughs> I'm having sex and her kids come in to ask each other, that's mental. And he's stunned. And what's funny is you two, you two acting like it's, if all three of you acted like there was nothing wrong with it, it wouldn't be, it'd be yeah. odd. It would just be a surreal world. But the fact there's someone there going, this is mental. <laughs> but he won't, he won't leave because he likes cream eggs. Yeah. And there's also something, I, I, I put something a little bit eatable in there that he, he wants to hug his mum. And then he asks Lenny, can I call you dad? And so you know there's really something missing in this kid's life. Right? So even though it's all funny and mental and all that, actually, when it comes out that, and again, it's still a comedy scene, but when you're saying that, um, you know, you had to choose one of them for the marriage to work, <laughs> and, and you chose him, no, not at first, I chose his dad, but you know, and then you realize this kid has gone through an awful lot, and it's why, it's, it's the reason he is like he is. It's yeah. the reason he wants to be an entertainer. One of my if, you know? Sorry, one of my favorite directions on that scene as well was not, I don't think it's written that it happened, but you said, when the door closes and he's gone, carry on. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I said, but slower. Slower. So it was, so you, you lost, you, you lost. up speed again. <laughs> it, was, it, it was so funny because people have been tweeting about the, the noise and the, the, I was like, God, we thought that one might just slip, slip under the radar with everything else that's going on. But it was really fun and we had such a laugh and it was all a bit embarrassed, but it was good fun. And, um, Think of it was real. Think of uh, if there'd <laughs> been. I mean, I could never do a real. Set. I, I mean, no. nudity, no, any, no, anything, no, just never, <laughs> ne not in a million years. Uh, no, I, I mean, I know, just out of the question. A comedy one's fine. Everyone's dress is just is silly, but a real one, for absolutely not was, he was the most embarrassed person there that day i think that, so that, i was gonna say on set that morning everyone was just like oh yeah where do you want to come? everyone was just like full of energy it was like right let's do this and it was so funny it was kind of in the middle of a studio as well so it's just like a little stage in the middle of nowhere it's yeah. like what well, is Amazing. this my job this is my job okay let's do this yeah let's yeah. do this but yeah think how think how a, a million times worse a real one is with the crew no. watching and it, it's just out of the question it's out of no. the question 
Oh, what's the um, what's the young lad who plays? Is it Ethan Lawrence who plays your your son as well? Amazing, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, right, round the whole variety performance um, as well, and and oh that that the kind of uh, yeah, and the town hall was just extraordinary. I wanted to do, I wanted to create something that I'd love to go to. If I was if I was <laughs> in a you know a little village for a weekend and they, it had um, Amazon I I'd go to Jane. We're going. Right? <laughs> Front seat here. Right, come on. Right, because also I wanted to be that. It's it's bad, but that's good. Mm. It's it, I, I hate it when you're doing karaoke and someone jumps up and they're like they're Aretha Franklin. Well, that's the end of the night. Yeah, no, that's, that's the end. Done. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. I love these flaws. I love this fact that it is, it is all a bit crap. We're all a bit crap. That's yeah. good. That's, that's. Crap's that's, funny. Yeah. It's, it's that, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing amusing about being perfect. It's like, there's nothing funny about those people on Instagram with their abs and the, and the boat they pretended theirs. It's like, what is, I want to see a part, I want, Tony just um, tweets pictures of what he's eating. Now that is funny. <laughs> you know the um, all the the kind of the other the other side of things that's going on with with Tony and Lisa that he's watching as you know as as we watch through the series. Do you film all that beforehand before you then film? This no, I'm um, throughout whenever you know because it's about availability and obviously um, all the ones in the house have got to be done when we're in the house and all yeah. the ones in location. So we do them all throughout. Um, uh, but they're a joy as well. And you just do too, too much this real. And Kerry's just brilliant improv as well. She's so real. She's so real all the time. Most of the things, apart from the fact that we planned the location and what we're doing, mm. I think nearly all Kerry's dialogue is improv. The bit where she's playing with a dog and she goes, that was just a going, what, get your deal though, Brandy. And I really <laughs> laughed out loud because it was an improv. I'd never, so, um, and what we found is, in the first season and the second, is that the more fun the flashbacks are with me and Lisa, mm -hmm. the sadder it is. Absolutely. So the joy at the wedding, cutting to me watching it, oh my God, it's, it's just, it makes it so much sadder. So, I, uh, I've, yeah. I've noticed those this time. I've noticed some of those flashbacks and how amazing Kerry is actually. And I, like when she's jumping or you're putting water on her or like in the first one, just look, all those are just so beautiful. And she's yeah. so reactive. Like when, when in the first one, I think it is when you put water on her in the deck chair and she's like, ah, and it's like, how do you do that on your own? You know, it's great. Yeah. You, but just a brilliant actor, like brilliant. It's just brilliant. It's so real. And the fact that she gives you an odd time and all that, it's great. It's really yeah, nice. Yeah, we wanted it to be real as well. We didn't want it to be like an 80s coffee advert. We didn't want it to be like this fake romance. We want to be real, <laughs> goofing around. That's why we're doing that. Like, you know, with me balancing her, I do that with Jane. And if, if we and me and Jane are doing something really stupid, I go, oh, I should put that in Afterlife. And Jane goes, Poor Kerry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my God, that's amazing. And I love as well, it's all those moments where, you know, Tony and Lenny are going out to do the, the story coverage and, and, you know, do their little bit on all these little stories for the paper. It's just, you know, and, and that's the thing as well. It's like when you're, when you're working out what those are going to be, what are, you know, are those coming from real things yeah. you've read? Or yeah, people think that that's the, like the surreal bit. And I go, no, no, they're based on all true stories. All those things, the guy posting the letter, 
I, I saw that and the uh, the um, uh, vaginal yeast making bread. Saw that in a magazine. Um, uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, and the the, the uh, rice pudding at a breast milk that happened to a friend yeah. of mine. Someone, a, a neighbour, came round and said, "I'm over. Uh, made this." Uh, wow, the that's stains, amazing. All the stains, the kind of by the stains. I thought it'd be funny that you know it's usually Jesus, but I thought I'd make it you know <laughs> the Kenneth Branagh, and then because you know the joke is that well any stain looks like Kenneth Branagh. It's got no so. Then you do you, the add uh, the comedy to it, the argument. You then you get into the real life of those people, but they're all they're they either did or could happen in in local papers, mm. or real papers, you know. Yeah. Um, and I did go down sort of like you know crazy headlines, and uh, some of them are things like the front cover of some local papers I've seen. Uh, I saw one. Um, Matt, uh, man finds hat in tree. That was the headline. <laughs> <laughs> They're some of my favourite bits to film because you get, <laughs> um, you get some amazing guests in for that as well. That's yeah, yeah. that's when you can do sneaky cameos when you can give someone a really meaty, uh, a scene stealing part, <laughs> and that, that it's just one day like Holly Dempsey as the uh, the thing that's gone gone wrong. Um, Steve Spears is the man posting. I mean, incredible. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, um, Annette Crosby, absolute national treasure, 86 years old. I think five C words in the first two minutes. I mean... <laughs> no, and talk about scene stealing as well. Um, Penelope Wilton um, oh. as Anne. I mean... Yeah. Oh um, I mean, yeah, I kind of, I kind of yeah. want an Anne spin-off show, to be honest. It's well, kind of like, everyone oh. wants, everyone wants to know. I mean, all of them. Like her, she's, she's everything. She's, you know, she's maternal, she's wise. She's, she's a sage, she's a therapist. She's everything you'd want. And, and the idea was that was sympathy, um, uh, I guess the kindness of strangers, you know, it's there, anyone can do it. Anyone could be Anne in a way but we haven't got time or we can't be bothered or we think he's a weirdo, but anyone can be kind. Anyone. I, 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 I did a thing yesterday on my broadcast where it is like a superpower. If someone says something nice to you, it makes you feel good. Nothing else does that. Except, except beer. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so know, nice. And Absolutely. As a, and also doing say, something. As a writer, when you write, I write this, they're the, they're the probably the most written things. They're the most things that are like, you know, uh, monologues, they're, you know. And when you give, you, you do that and you worry about it, um, and then you sit there and you think, oh, I hope this, this makes sense, is this a bit longer? And then Penelope Wilton says it, you go, I'm gonna get the credit for this. She oh, makes it, she makes it, she makes it into poetry. She makes just me going, she says this, and it's, it's remar she's remarkable. She's remarkable, yeah. Um, before we get on to some audience questions, um, the, you know, you talk, you, you got asked a lot about the, you know, the character and writing it and stuff. And I haven't heard you talk too much about the fact that you actually direct in it as well, you know, in terms of your, you know, the, it looks beautiful as well. The way that you've chosen to make this look aesthetically is is so lovely and i think adds so much to the to the feel of it and and how welcoming it is i think as a show well i think it, it it i mean usually i i deal with realism and the office was meant to be 
sort of stark and gritty and faded and like it was shot on VHS and left at the BBC for take. You know, that was meant to be like that. It's whatever, extras were a bit more glamorous, but we showed the difference between, you know, a film being made and then the cold light of day. And this lent itself to that because of what was going on in Tony's head. And we were very lucky because I remember the first time I shot it, it was the best summer of my life. And I thought, this is brilliant because it's beautiful. It's a lovely little, you know, uh, idyllic um, sort of middle England uh, quaint village and it's sunny. And yet in there it's dark. And I love the juxtaposition with that. So, so it was luck with the weather. You know, I, I, you know, Dolly shots, you put a little bit more effort into it than, you know, because I'm used to fake documentary as well. So, you know, things like The Office and Derek, it, you know, it, it couldn't look as beautiful because it was, you know, one was in an office, one was in a care home and there was fake documentary. So I, I did push the boat out a little bit on this. Um, but again, you know, technology helps. Like the, the grade, I think we were the first to use that, that grade. And it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's just, you know, not, I can't take credit for that. It, it you know, it was, yes. a, it was sunny. I shot in Hampstead. Someone made it look beautiful. <laughs> I can't take credit. You should mention um, Hawkins as well, the DOP. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I've worked with him loads over the years and I've never known a DOP be so good at, translating what a director wants quickly and fast, with right? no fuss he no. doesn't he's not one of these people that go that you're going how long and he go 40 minutes he says things like I mean, he goes I put, I go, how long he goes 15 i go 12 he goes 13 and we have a joke it we're the fastest we are the fastest crew in the world at, at doing this sort of um high tech sort of narrative you know good production um because i shoot with two cameras when i can as well so i save time by getting mm -hmm. both sides uh, of a conversation and particularly with the emotional ones so uh, usually you shoot you know two that way and then turn around but if there's improv and someone comes up with someone you haven't got it on the other side so if there's any improv and particularly with emotional i shoot two sides because i want to get their reaction too so i can cry Mm -hmm. And they cry, but if we're not facing them, we didn't get them crying properly because yeah. it's harder to do it twice. So it's just things like that. You've got to, you've just got to think ahead a little bit, yeah. or it take. And then if you thought it, because I, I've, I've got an advantage that I've lived with this before I direct it. I've written it. I've lived with it for six months, so it's harder for a director to get a script and think of all those things. I've already thought of them. So again, it's it's sort of it's sort of lucky the way I work. Yeah. And, and another thing about directing, like what's lovely about being familiar with everybody I've noticed is that you, you're really intuitive. You just get on with it. You don't often stand behind the, uh, you don't watch the, the, the screen, the uh, monitor and stuff. You go off intuition. So if Ricky thinks it's real in real life and he's watching you, you don't do it again. I mean, I think I did the thing when I was doing the monologue, I was thinking, okay, that's what and we did one. And he went, that's brilliant. And then we did one for a little, and he went, nope, got it before. And that was it. We just did wow. two, one or two, didn't we? I think it's very quick and it doesn't, you see, for me as well as an actor, if I start to then think about it, I become, I, I start thinking about it and it's not natural. And I think that's the beauty of what we I, That's it. I really make it, I really make it an actor's medium because for me, everything else is not as important as the performance. If you've got a good script, uh, 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 it doesn't matter whether Dolly shots other cameras or the symmetry or what side, but 
you've got to get that performance. And people, again, people feel a performance. They, they, they don't go back and go, oh, I like the symmetry or I like the move. They go, oh my God, I was crying when she was crying. Mm. And, um, and I've got to make sure the actors can do what they want. And also, you trust the DOP. So I set the shot up and I trust them to do what I've asked them to do. I don't have to keep checking the monitor. Mm. If they missed it, what were they doing? Facing the camera the wrong way? And of course they weren't. So when I'm in the scene, that's easier for me to direct than keep come walking back and forth and telling two people how to do it. Because I can dictate the pace a little bit when I'm in it. I know, because I know what I want. Yeah. So again, it's Refreshing. not all these things that seem harder, they're easier. It's easier to do everything for me than to not, do you know what I mean? It seems yeah. easier. Uh, just uh, put some great questions coming in, just on that emotional side of things. Uh, Jacqueline Stevens says, Ricky, were there any parts that you found particularly difficult to film because of the subject matter, you cry incredibly convincingly? Um, I, uh, yeah, I can do that. But again, it's got a, if it was, a, if, if the script wasn't right or I didn't believe it or it, it wouldn't make me upset in real life or the actor wasn't good enough, I wouldn't cry. I'd be going, this is, so if everything works, I can cry and I can, I can cry the first time. The second time's harder. Because yeah. you feel it, you can't fake it as much. So I make sure we get that on the first take. Nearly everything I've ever done where I've cried has been one take. Um, and uh, there are some things that were too hard. There were some things I didn't put in, actually, um, that I thought was too much. Originally, and this isn't in, originally the thing was going to start with a little um, a practical joke that went wrong. One of the first things I had for series two, where... I'm, I'm, I've set the camera up and I've got a fake spider and I go, uh, I go, Lisa, Lisa's coming. I'm just going to put this on a chair. She's terrified of spiders. And uh, she comes in and she sits down and she says, I've got cancer. And we just hug. And looking back, I thought it was too much. I just thought we can't start a series like that. It was just too much. Um, so yeah, there are things that I think, uh, that's, that's, yeah, it, to, to, to start it like that. So, um, God, don't you go I, I just started saying nice. Sorry, I know. Set me off just talking about it. Okay. But yeah. because we care, about, we care about these characters, we feel like we know them. That's the thing. And we do of know course. them. That's the thing. And you know what happens. It's not, if it starts, yeah. I go, oh, you, you can say, oh, I hope she gets better. But you know, she yeah. you know, yeah. you know the result. It's so, it's terrible. Yeah. I love this question. Go on, sorry, sorry, Joe, go on, When we did that little scene with, with James where I bring him in just before the show and we was chatting and we was telling, you know, everyone in the office a little bit of our backstory, I toddle off and I'm sat watching the monitor. And um, the next thing, I see Ricky and Mandeep and I see them crying. And I'm, I started crying. I was literally sobbing. I'm, I said to Charlie, what's happened? I thought... <laughs> and then I ran on set. And I'd never, I don't expect, I keep, honestly, it was like projectile crying and they were both crying and then that was it. So I was like, what are you doing? He's like, we're just finishing the scene. I didn't know it was coming. So you have this kind of moment and then, and it was, it is pretty amazing. That's very, very difficult to do. It's impossible actually. So. Yeah, that was, uh, that was tough. That was a tough one. <laughs> and it was good because everyone's so respectful. They know what we're doing. And uh, it's, as I say, it's a, it's a great actor's medium because all the time, people are there is acting. It's not seven hours of lighting with someone sitting in their Winnebago and then they do one shot and they go, okay, see you tomorrow. 
we're there for we're there for seven hours and we're acting for seven hours mm. and it's fun it's fun we're laughing at joke because none of it's wasted none of it is wasted okay i've got a great question from kelly uh, lapin who says how did paul k react when he read the script for the second series the turn in his character is absolutely incredible yeah. oh my god um, <laughs> I, 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 I'd say, without the emotional impact of some characters, that the, the, how he just did those lines, it, it's like he'd get the man of the match because it was filmed in one day. It was filmed in one day, okay? And we borrowed a studio from the, uh, the film school in Beaconsfield. And they said, uh, it was only a little studio because it was, it was the, we built the set and it was him and Matt. I'm not even in this, right? I'm directing. And they said, oh, is it okay if a few students watch? And I went, yeah, sure, right? So then he starts doing these lines and I'm ruining every take. I'm, I'm, I'm just about 10 yards from, and we ruined every, every single take, literally every take. I couldn't do it. And I was going, okay, do it again. And every time he came up to say it, <laughs> I went like this, right? And they all laughed, right? At one point, I went, okay, go again. I blocked my ears and shut my eyes. All right? <laughs> all right? And let them finish. And I turned to the students and said, this is not how to direct. You shouldn't direct like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Uh, right, this is a great question. Hugh Collins uh, wants to talk about music, which is such a big part of the show. It's just got, uh, it gives it even more of a heartbeat. Uh, and that's a combination of the, the brilliant score that you've worked on with Andy Burroughs. But he asks, throughout every show you've created, the musical choices add such a depth to the story. Do you have a specific process when it comes to this part of the storytelling? No, it depends. And the short answer is I've never had a budget like this and I've never planned music like this because you can't when you haven't got the budget for it. Usually, even in film, low budget films are mostly TV, music is, the budget is what's left over. You know, the producer go, well, you can't afford that one. You can have 30 seconds of that one. You can have that one. Which one do you want? Okay, we'll have that one. And then you lose library music and it's just, mm, you know. So now I put it in the budget. So now I could pick the best tunes of my collection. And sometimes they come first. Sometimes I go, I've always wanted to use that song. That can be a so-and-so. Or I discover someone on a wormhole down, uh, you know, YouTube. Like I discovered um, Dave Thomas Jr. on YouTube. I, did, I, I listened to that song, um, uh, Little Piece of Nothing, for a year. And then I discovered Silence halfway through the filming. And I thought, oh my God, that'll be the end bit, that... So sometimes that comes first and that I've, that I've motivated a scene. Oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. And other times you, you cut the scene, you go, what's the perfect song? Like some of the end things. Um, so it depends, but it's always been important to me. It's always been, I can't tell people the thrill of being able to write something and direct it and then choose your favorite bit of music to make it. There's, there's nothing like it. And for me, the greatest art form is music. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing as evocative. It's enigmatic. I don't know why a chord can make you feel sick or make you cry or mm. I just don't, I'm in awe of, of music and musicians as a failed one myself. So um, all I can do is put a bit back and go, well, listen, I can put you in my show now. Um, so uh, yeah, it's very important to me. It's, uh, it's, it's my greatest art form. What do you think, Tony? Do you, 
Well, just to add to that, I remember seeing the um, early, really early drafts of some of the scripts and you'd actually written in very specific songs and cues yeah. would come in. And I think nearly all of those are in. I think one or two left, fell out and got replaced by something else. But yeah. they all stayed in and that's, that means... But it, usually it, you can't do that you, right. because yeah. they tot it up and they go, that's 300 grand. Yeah, and yeah. people go, well, that's more than the budget. Whereas with this, I'd go, yeah, fine. You know, it's someone else's money. I can yeah, use yeah. the big songs. <laughs> I remember you'd get old um, BBC videos and DVDs where all of the music had changed. Uh, that, oh, that's happened to me. Episodes where yeah. quite specific songs have just gone because they can't get the right. Well, that <laughs> happened when they went, um, when, they, when DVDs were big because they had a blanket agreement so you could use the odd song for 30 seconds. But then when it came to do a DVD that was for the world, they went, well, no, no, you, we can't, you can't afford that. So you had, to, you had to go through and put library music in. And if the song's featured or talked about, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> so, yeah. It was the song in, in season two, like about, I don't know how far in, Tony, when we was watching it, I just burst out crying. It was pre-credits, I think. Oh, was it Top of the World by um, the Carpenters? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I've always... I've always wanted Price. to use that song, and I tried to use it um, for Invention of Lying, and we, we couldn't afford it. I so, burst oh, wow. tears. It's one of my favourite songs, and I just went, oh, no. <laughs> Tony just started laughing at me. There was like three boxes of tissues, and we, don't, we only watched episode one, two, and three in a little room, didn't we? <laughs> we did. What point did you I mean, start working with Andy though on the score bits? Does he come in at the end when you're doing the editing or is he part what of the I whole... did when I knew I wanted to work with Andy because he's just the nicest man in the world. We've talked about it and the most talented. He can play everything. He can do everything. I can, I can download my thoughts through Andy and he does it and I go, that's what I was thinking. Oh. It's mental. It's, it's, it's mental. Okay. So I found him and that's amazing. And then I started feeding him um, songs over like six months before. So I'd, I'd speed him Hammock and, you know, you know or things like that. I go, what were this? And, uh, you know, Max Richter. And I go, listen to this by Vaughan Williams. And soon when he said it would come back and I got this, but like that and chop that. And then we went to the studio together and we started doing it to picture. It was incredible. There's a bit... Um, again, nobody in the world will notice this except me, right? But there's a bit where there's, there's, we've done this um, sort of Max Richter type thing uh, at the end of the funeral, and Anne comes over and she just touches my face, and we just put a little string on the piano, and it was like a Disney. It's like <gasps> it just, but people won't notice it, but they'll yeah, they feel they'll it. feel it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ricky says, Louise says, Ricky, what was the audition process for the wonderful dog? Such a lovely relationship between you. Right. So I decided I wanted a dog. <laughs> I thought, uh, one, it was in the script that the, the, the high concept joke was, not joke, but you know what I mean, that I was going to commit suicide. My dog was hungry. And I thought that said a lot about Tony and everyone really. Uh, and I thought it was realistic, you know, because, uh, he had to have nearly done it and then didn't. And I thought, why? The dog was hungry. Perfect reason. Then I'll find a dog. I wanted it to be a sort of a, I wanted it to be a big dog because I wanted it to take the walks and it'd be boisterous and to be a bigger a character. And then I think we went to the, one of the people that did them 
And uh, I saw Auntie and I went, you know, her. Um, so I admit I did, I did pick one actor on their looks, um, but no <laughs> one else. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think you <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I did pick Tony on his looks, didn't I? Um, no. Uh, and then I, I, I met the dog to see if I got on with it. Because some dogs, they're just task oriented. They don't, they don't acknowledge you. They just, mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it's yours. Um, and I said to the, the, the uh, Ash, who, uh, who is Abby's dad in real life, not literally, that would be mental, not a biological father. <laughs> I didn't want to say owner. Oh, I'm so I'm so woke when it comes to animals. Right. I didn't want to say owner. Um, <laughs> and I said, I just want her to be a dog. And he went, oh, great. She usually gets parts of like dogs that are owned by Nazis, right? And I went, I just want her to be a dog. It's not Disney, it's not Lassie. I just, I don't want any tricks. I just want to be a dog. Um, and uh, I fell in love with her and it was great. And uh, I, I don't think there's a better dog out there for this part than that. So I'm, see, I'm talking about her like she's a real actress. <laughs> yes. I, I only did one day, I think, with when Auntie, when the dog was there all day, and when it was me, Roshi, and Joe Wilkinson there, all chatting away. When the dog came on set, we were nothing. Ricky was with highly <laughs> focused. What can we do with the dog? What can we I get? This. I know. I'm like that. I am like. I'm like when a dog sees a ball or a rabbit. When I see a dog, that's it. Um, I've fallen over a few times in Hampstead Heath when I've seen a dog. I wasn't looking where I was going. It's like, a, you know, like in, in like comedies where a bloke walks into a lamppost who's looking at a nice girl. That's me with dogs. <laughs> Right, listen, we got a couple more questions before we run out of time. Uh, Tommy Jessup says, how important is the swearing to comedy? Um, well, the, the swearing uh, is important for uh, a few reasons. Um, again, it's real. My, <laughs> my experience of working you know, in real places and real, and real family and, you know, people swear. They do. And it's odd when I see in TV shows where people say, frickin' hell, or <laughs> you blooming idiot, right? I, I don't know what I'm Oh, don't shovel. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you muddy fun stuff. I saw a, um, there's a, there's a film, right? I think it's called Training Day. Uh, and I was in America and I was in the gym, believe it or not. And it was on, it's like two in the afternoon, training day on, on the, one of the Stairmasters, right? And so it was, all, it was all overdubbed, right? And they were going, forget you. No, you forget <laughs> you, right? And then he shot him in the heart. So they weren't allowed to swear, but they're allowed to shoot someone's lungs out. Where's the morality? So swearing's never bothered me and I yeah. make it a part of it. And I think that it's also nice I like the juxtaposition because Tony swears when he shouldn't, you know, he should, you shouldn't call a 10 year old, a tubby little ginger, you know, because he is not, he's, you know, so it's, um, it, yeah, it, it is used for comedy, but it's also used for realism. Talking like, of juxtaposition I, as well, like the foul, most foul mouthed, he's probably Carrie's character. She, and she has the sweetest scenes. 
And she yeah. uses the whole, nearly every other line she says is calling yeah. it a keyword. <laughs> I have to explain, I have to explain to Americans that there's, there's a different word here that doesn't carry the misogyny. We don't use it against women. And sometimes it's a term of endearment. You know, you say to, you know, it really, Australians get it. Brits and Australians use the C word. Uh, you're, you're a funny C-U-N-T. And Americans go, whoa. They, 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 they get it. Hey, I love the bit when he's, um, it was so bizarre because you, it's filmed in Borough House, so I got married in there when it's the yoga class. And it's just the way that he turns around and that delivery of that, that particular version of it is just so brilliant. It's first on the scene, money. First scene we shot. Is it? Monday morning, uh, 9 a.m. We shot that scene and um, uh, with, with uh, Seb Cardinal, it was brilliant. And I just said, be the most annoying you can. Be the most annoying person in the world while pretending to be zen and caring. That was the, that was the direction. And uh, I dressed him, I said, dressed him like, a, a, some, like some sort of guru from the East End. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> wind chimes, slurping. Oh, just I said, and I kept going. No more. Drive me mad. Make me go there. Get me. Get me really, really annoyed. Um, so yeah, that was uh, yeah. And also, I like the juxtaposition that he was trying to be zen, but someone annoyed him out of it. He couldn't be zen. <laughs> you can try and be zen. Someone will annoy you. I've tried it. Jane in a restaurant. Jane says, just ignore them. I go, yeah, you're right. We've done it again. I'm, we're leaving. <laughs> Um, last question has come in from Zenith, who says, um, how long did it take to shoot the entire second series? Uh, same as the first. Um, seven, seven, five-day weeks, finishing at four, half four, um, and uh, finishing early on the last day, because we've done it all with contingency days. So it's a very luxurious shoot, uh, again, which is uh, partly financial, which is great, um, and partly how I shoot, and that we workshopped it, and that it's quick, and I know we've got too much. That I, I never want to be in a position where I go, we haven't shot enough. This episode's gonna be 13 minutes. It's never happened. However much I think I have to do less, it still comes in at 40 minutes, um, uh, because of the way we work, and because I work with the best people available. There's not a weak performance in it. Not only are these people actors, they're writers and they're improvers and they're directors. They're, they're, all, they're all better than me at most things. And I get all the credit. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's an absolute treat to get to chat to you about this series because it is phenomenal and you're a treat to watch as well and um, joe thank you so much love thanks darling it's lovely to be here thanks for having me really tony it. tony take care mate so lovely to see you and thank congratulations you. thank you so thank much you. bye uh, joe bye tony right. ricky bye, thanks ricky. so much mate bye Edith. good night john boy bye tom boy <laughs> good night mary ellen good night <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us and remember you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.